Taylor Reese has special. Taylor, it's good to have pastor of uh, Gethsemane Missionary Baptist Church here with us tonight. It happens to be my son-in-law, and they were able to come in uh, for this evening and the day, 
and uh, helped us helped us out uh, visiting and had a good lunch, a good visit today. It w- it was good. Let's open our Bibles tonight to Luke chapter twenty three. Just still a uh, different. Uh, get back as soon as we can to our study on a changed life in First Peter. But tonight, Luke twenty three and verse thirty three. Luke chapter 23 and verse 33. The only time we find the mention of the word Calvary in the entire Bible. The Bible says, And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand, the other on the left. We'll have some more scriptures that I'd like to read uh, in a little while, right from this same chapter. But when you have something on the right hand and on the left, it reminds me of the story of uh, that old Yogi Berra, and he's known for yogiisms, uh, saying some very unique quotes. He said, When you come to the fork in the road, take it. <laughs> whatever that means <laughs> when you come to the fork in the road take it he said and a lot of times you and i are faced with some difficult decisions in life you want wonder where well, should i go to the right or should i go to the left even at calvary we notice and we're going to look tonight at a we're going to call this message tonight a place of decision i want to share with you a story In the latter half of the 1800s, there was a small man with a huge voice who was a master of the stage. His name was Edwin Thomas. At 15 years of age, he debuted in Richard III, a Shakespearean uh, play, and from then on became well known as a Shakespearean actor. The British critics in London sang his praises. Edwin Thomas was a master of tragedy on stage. Unfortunately, his life was all too similar to a stage persona. Tragedy was his trademark. Edwin had two brothers who were also actors, John and Junus. In 1863, the three brothers performed Julius Caesar. The fact that their brother John portrayed the role of Brutus, Caesar's assassin, was an ironic twist that foreshadowed what would happen two years later in 1865. You see, in 1865, John became a real-life assassin. On that crisp April night, he stole into the rear box in Ford's Theater and fired a bullet at the head of Abraham Lincoln. Edwin Thomas and John Wilkes both shared the same last name, and that is Booth. After that night, Edwin was never the same. Shame from his brother's crime drove him into early retirement. He likely would have never returned to the stage if it weren't for a twist of fate in a New Jersey train station. 
Edwin was awaiting his coach when a well-dressed young man, pushed by the swell of the crowd, lost his footing, fell between the platform onto a moving train of a moving train. With little regard for his own personal well-being, Edwin locked a leg around the rail, grabbed the man, pulled him to safety. Amid the sighs of relief, the young man recognized Edwin Booth, but Edwin didn't recognize the young man he rescued. It was only weeks later in a letter from Chief Secretary Ulysses S. Grant that he learned that he had saved the life of Robert Todd Lincoln, the child of the American hero Abraham Lincoln. Matter of fact, Robert Todd was the only one of uh, Abraham and Mary's Lincoln's uh, boys to reach the age of maturity. And Booth carried uh, the letter that he received from Ulysses S. Grant. Booth carried that letter in his vest pocket to his grave. You know, it's very ironic that these two brothers, Edwin Thomas and John Wilkes Booth, one killed the president and the other saved the president's son. Some father, some mother, profession, and yet passion, yet one chose to give death, the other chose to give life. You know, every day we have a same choice. You can give death or life to a person. Now, not that uh, you don't have to kill them. The Bible says you can kill people with the words you speak. You can uh, uh, really, you can assassinate a person's character. Uh, Jesus said, matter of fact, that uh, a person that calls his brother names and this and that is just as guilty as a murderer is, uh, which, again, has to point to our character on the inside. You know, and tonight, for just a little while, I want you and I to think about choices that we must make in our life and how that the Bible portrays in our text about these two men hanging right beside the Savior. Think about it. I don't know how far away these guys were, but have you ever thought about how far were the thieves from Jesus? Think, have you ever thought about that? Were they, were they five feet? Were they 15 feet? Or were they, I don't 50 feet? They were right there together. You know, uh, Sister Francis has been to... That hill called Calvary is not that big of a hill. But just think about they were that close to eternity. Can you imagine, you know, one time I was witnessing to a young lady after revival services. This is over in Texas. Her name was Angela. And she and she came to me and she was talking about her troubled uh, marriage. And uh, I immediately knew that she was... Uh, had never made a profession of faith. I listened to her describe her problems. And then I said, Angela, would you mind if I shared with you the story? I said, have, have you ever asked Jesus into your life to be your Savior? I said, I think this may be more important than your marriage. And it may be the first step to saving it. And so I said, and I just said, can I share with you how I got saved? And so I shared with her my testimony. And this is right after Sunday night services. Uh, Taylor was just, uh, she was the only one we had at the time, and she was just real little. And I remember Karen fidgeting with her out in the auditorium as I 
spoke with Angela concerning eternity. And as I described how I got saved and how she could and likewise get saved, to me the scene kept building. I was listening and listening and watching and talking, and it was almost as if Angela were walking up Calvary and looking at Jesus. The Holy Spirit was working uh, numerous times, and you can ask anybody in here who's witnessed very much. It's almost like you can sense His presence at certain points. I'm talking about especially when you're talking to somebody about Jesus. And she walked up to Calvary. The thing is, you, you don't force people to make the decision. It's their decision. What's the, what's the title for this, this, night, this evening's message? A place of decision? She, she said, I would rather not do that right now. To, basically. And, I, and my heart fell to my feet what could I there's nothing else when you describe grace and sin and you tell about what Jesus did and you use the whether you use the Romans road or your own testimony that you do you never force somebody to make a decision you leave it there but it was hard and I was hard and I, you can ask my wife I remember going home I was crying I was upset because I, I just I was so ready to see, and I knew this was going to be a life-changing experience for her. And no matter, uh, folks, the distance does not matter. If that thief was five feet or fifty feet from Jesus, one looked at eternity in the face, and just the Bible says it in the King James, he railed on him, and the other one said, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And what did he tell that fellow? Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. We're going to read that for just a second. If you uh, wouldn't mind, look back in your Bible. The very first choice that I want to just lock on to is verse 34. And I call it the choice of the Son or the choice of Jesus. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Did you know that 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 decision, when he said those words, you were included in those words? A very famous verse that many of you know probably by heart is Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says this, but God commendeth. That means showed or proved his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is, if you don't have that highlighted or marked in your Bible, Romans 5, 8 should be highlighted or marked if you mark in your Bible. That is one of the ones on the Romans road. It's an awesome verse. But he made a choice to forgive. Did you know you and I cannot have forgiveness without Calvary? You can't have forgiveness without Jesus. You cannot have forgiveness. You can't have relationship. You can't get to heaven without Jesus. Jesus is the key to forgiveness, to joy, to heaven. Well, the next choice is uh, we see these two people choosing here. One on one side of Jesus, the other on the other side of Jesus. The choice of the sinners I remember uh, back whenever I was in <clears throat> in school, 
there was a set of movies by Harrison Ford came out and uh, Indiana Jones and they all uh, who wrote those I, I <clears throat> Steven Spielberg I believe directed them and uh, the neat the first ones biblically uh, tie in with the Ark of the Covenant Raiders of the Lost Ark they had one later on about the Holy Grail and it was the uh, the crusade, the last crusade, I believe it was called. And uh, very one of the very last scenes was uh, uh, this hidden knight that was hidden away, that was guarding this cup, the cup that Jesus used to serve the Lord's Supper with. And uh, obviously a fictional story based on a factual event. There was a Jesus, and he did serve the Lord's Supper, and they did drink out of a cup. We do know those things were real, but... Uh, in the movie, it uh, one of them drank from a bad cup. The one of the bad guys drank from a bad cup, and he melted. <laughs> uh, that was. And then the Indiana Jones walked over there and put, picked up a wooden cup, and he drank out of some water, and he lived. That's a long story short. The night the fellow gardened uh, the, all the jewels and everything, and he said that one chose wisely or poorly, and this one chose wisely. The choice in looking at these two people, one on one side of Jesus and one on the other side of Jesus, you could literally say that one chose poorly and the other chose wisely. Oh, by the way, back to Angela, uh, she ended up moving. I don't know what happened. She was very young. Let's see, I was in my 20s then and she was in her. She was probably only two or three years younger than me. So she hasn't, she knows, she knows how to be saved. I sure hope and pray that she accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior. If you look back to our text, uh, you find uh, the choice of the one. It begins in verse 39. I'm in Luke 23, 39. One of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ... If you are a Savior, save yourself and us. Just mockingly saying it. Verse 40 is the choice of the other guy. But the other answer, answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God? Seeing thou art in the same condemnation. You know what that means? You're going to die. We're all going to die. We're about to die. You, you mean you, you would think you're, you're on the verge of death, that you're, you would change. You would have to call on the Lord that if this is the Jesus that like he's, this crowd is saying he is, ask him to be your Savior. He just mocked him and railed on him. He says, uh, we're all condemned here. We're all condemned to die, verse 41, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And then he said, this is only, you say, well, what do you have to pray to be saved? What does this fellow say? Verse 42, Jesus, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. There's very few times, and I think I've shared this before, did you know there's very few times where 
Jesus actually said, you're going to heaven. When you die, you're going to heaven. But this is one of those times. You ever thought about it? When you die, you're going to heaven. You know, that's just, I mean, oh, by the way, this, this word, did you know God's word is forever? It'll never go away. So guess what? Forever it's going to say this fellow went to heaven. And guess where he is today? <laughs> Amen. Preach it, brother. He's in heaven today. Thou shalt. Oh, by the way, it doesn't say he went to purgatory. It doesn't say he went to a waiting room. It doesn't say that on hold, well, in five years you'll make it. Uh, when the preacher prays you through or some other, uh, whatever you want to come up with, it says today. <laughs> it says today thou shalt be, wait a second, with me. With I like that, with me. So was Jesus there? Yeah, isn't that cool? With me. In paradise. So not just one thing, but folks, he was with Jesus. And of course, that was around later, about the ninth hour that Jesus died. The choice is simple. There's a, there's a verse that I'd like for you to just turn a few pages back to. Matthew 27. Norman Pissing have a hymn, so y'all get ready. Matthew 27 and 22. A question most all of you have already answered. But even if you're saved tonight, you still have to do something with Jesus. Matthew twenty-seven twenty-two says this. What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called the Christ? The crowd gave their answer, but you and I are still giving ours today. If you're saved, you've accepted Him as your personal Savior. If you're lost, you're still answering the question, what are you going to do with Jesus? If you're backslidden tonight, you've got Jesus shoved off in the corner, and you're running the show. That's an easy analogy. You're driving your heart. It's up to you what to do with Jesus. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I pray that you would help us to let you be on the throne of our heart. Father, I thank you for each and every one that's here tonight. May we make the right decision in Jesus' name. Amen.